Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. It is brighter outside than a light dagger, and it is darker than a cloak, and we are going to get into it and talk about the season two premiere of Cloak and Dagger here on Cloak and Jabber, the Cloak and Dagger podcast. I'm Alex. And right by his side is his ever-loving sidekick, The Sizz. And have we got a big old show for you right now, because what do I like in my heaping dose of coffee in the morning? It's a big old side of Jabber, and boy, do we have it coming at you hot, steamy, and right in your face. I'm Justin. <laughs> Great to hear it, the sis. I like that. Is that new this season? Is that a new thing that you're doing? Yeah, I, what am I? Who am I? <laughs> I'm having a bit of dissociative disorder since I died last season. All right, let's get into it. We're going to be talking about the season two premiere of Cloak and Dagger called Restless Energy. Uh, for those of you who are watching the show live, it's a two-part episode, kind of, except they're broadcasting it as separate hours. So we're going to do a podcast for the first part. And to do a separate podcast for the second part, you can listen to them together, you can listen to them separately, however you want to do it is all good, but this is just for the first hour of the two-part premiere, uh, but we're going to get into it, we're going to talk about Cloak and Dagger, I'm excited to chat about it, we finally uh, jettisoned Pete, so that's pretty uh, awesome. Our third host, Pete. Yes, yes. It's, how, it's like how before <laughs> Cloak and Dagger were, was Cloak and Dagger and Pete, and they yep. got rid of Pete too. Yeah, I missed him. I got to be honest, in the season premiere, he was always coming in and yelling at them and telling them they sucked, and that was yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here we are, ready to kick it off on a <laughs> big old jolt jolt of positivity. Yes. All right. Well, here we go. Let's uh, recap what's happened so far on Cloak and Dagger. Last season, two folks, Ty and Tandy, gained <laughs> mysterious powers as when they were kids. They didn't really come to fruition until they were about, I think, 16, right? Yeah. Yeah, the classic puberty, teenage uh, years. Uh, oh yes, okay. Puberty. When when did you go through puberty? When? Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's hard to tell when it starts, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is happening!" Yeah, I'm uh, going through it right now. I actually just started at the beginning of this podcast, and I'm hoping it'll be done by the end. That explains the light daggers in your hands. Mm-hmm. So uh, they gain mysterious powers. Uh, Tandy can make light daggers. She can also enter people's hopes in their minds, which is pretty weird because she was in a pretty bad place uh, because hopeless. her father. Ha- her hopeless. What? You might even. She was hopeless. Uh, she was. She. But she found love in a hopeless place. Indeed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely right. 
Yes, that's a song. Uh, she, her father was framed for blowing up a Roxxon uh, energy plant. Uh, she managed to clear him by the end of the season. The Meanwhile, Ty uh, gained the power to uh, teleport everywhere and also enter people's fears, but he was actually in a pretty good situation. He was in an upscale neighborhood. Uh, the only really, really bad thing that he was dealing with was his brother was killed wrongfully by a corrupt cop. Uh, he also managed to resolve that by the end of the season, but things went rather poorly for him when he ended up being framed for the murder of the boyfriend of Detective Bridget O'Reilly. Th- that's the murder that he was framed for, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Who was uh, also now- a cop. Yes, and Detective Bridget O'Reilly actually died very briefly at the end of the last season, uh, but she ended up being infused with the same energy that had given Ty and Tandy their powers. She is going to cause a problem later on. We're not quite there when we open up the episode, uh, but we already know she is going to become a villainous or at least anti-hero character named Mayhem. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, so that's pretty much the setup. So uh, Ty and Tandy, their circumstances switched by the end of the season. Tandy was uh, together with her mom. Her mom was feeling much better, feeling with it, wasn't in an abusive relationship anymore and was ready to move on. Meanwhile, Ty, <coughs> excuse me, was now living in the church that Tandy used to live in, and he is on the run and never able to talk to his parents again. And that's where we open up on the episode. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we'll talk about this as the show goes on as the, through this episode, uh, but th- this show, like, it really leans into the harsh edges of the what's going on with the characters and the raw emotions they have just on display all the time. And I love that about this. Yeah, me too. It was interesting to get back into it. You know, we talked about this on the preview episode. I was certainly concerned, given how focused the first season was. And I don't I don't know exactly what the mission of the season is yet after the first episode. I'm not 100% sure. But I was still kind of blown away by the confidence and ambition in letting us sit in the characters' emotions in the episode. Yeah. Yeah, like, they do such a good job uh, with it, without it feeling like we're like uh, treading water. Like it's just we're just there, and th- I feel like that's also why they use so much music in the episode because it lets us just sort of sit and enjoy watching them be in in themselves without feeling like th- a plot needs to be happening. The first, and I'm not even exaggerating, five minutes of the episode are a montage between Ty and Tandy where Ty is going after these drug dealers, robbing them, taking their drugs, using his teleportation powers, but very slowly and very calmly in the background while uh, Tandy is dancing. And that's it for five minutes. That's amazing. Amazing that they do that. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it looks great. Uh, Tandy's hasn't lost a step in the ballet game. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Ty, uh, he's out there. I mean, I think this, I'm good. This is the status quo. Tandy yeah. Ballet, Ty Crime. Perfect. Absolutely. Uh, one side of it is uh, The Wire, and the other side of it is Step Up. That's not uh, right. <laughs> sort uh, of Black Swan. Uh, yeah, sure. Black but Swan. Fun, but there's fun. A, oh, my God. There's a, there's a ballet show that I'm thinking of that I cannot remember the I name mean, of I mean, if right you now. can't name Bunheads... Isn't that no, what you're thinking? No, it wasn't Buttheads. It wasn't Buttheads. Isn't that a ballet show that you love? That is a ballet show that I love. Oh, you have another ballet show in mind? There's another ballet show. Wow, you're a real ballet fan of ballet dramas. Yeah. 
It wasn't Flesh and Bone. That's another one. It wasn't Breaking Point. Maybe wow. Dance Academy is what I'm thinking of. I can't believe there's that much ballet <laughs> happening in the uh, prestige drama space. Well, hey, throw Clo- Cloak and Dagger on that pile because it is now a ballet show through and through as well. Uh, the thing to the point that you just brought up that I thought was so interesting about this premiere is how simple it is, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of character stuff that goes on, but for the most part, the arc of the episode is Ty is completely separated from everybody he's loved. He's basically stalking them. Uh, Tandy is dealing with, okay, I just want to have a normal life. That's all I want to do. Uh, and they are kind of together, but kind of not together. And ultimately, they finally, by the end, team up to take down some drug dealers. But it's not like it's action every single minute. There's not a lot that happens in the episode. It just, to your point, sits in those characters for a while. But I also think it's a little more uh, of a realistic take on what it would be to be like a superhero or to have powers. Like you don't, being a superhero isn't a paid gig. So these guys go back to their lives uh, however best they can. So Ty has no food or money. He's living in a church. So he needs Tandy to help him out, bring him stuff, bring him clothes, uh, help him have the normal things in his life. Meanwhile, Tandy wants to be a hero, but she doesn't want to just be patrolling the streets. So she's like, right. she's in counseling with her mom to try to um, to sort of complete their uh, grounding after all the craziness that happened last season. And she sees uh, a, another person there who's in trouble. So she starts to sort of subtly uh, try to fix her life a little bit. Yeah. Uh, now, what do you think that points to? I mean, I think... I think the implication there is that Tandy really is still broken, that she is, by extension, trying to fix herself. Um, Or is it that she doesn't feel comfortable in the life that she currently has, that she doesn't feel comfortable with everything being okay, so she has to mess it up, make it dangerous in some way. I think it's more that she uh, has this urge to help people, but she also has only been uh, a criminal her whole, like she's only been mm-hmm. you know, stealing and running away. So her uh, sort of shorthand to being a hero is to sneak around and do it on the sly and in sort of an aggressive way. Like, so this the girl, uh, her boyfriend has been abusing her. And so she goes there and scares the shit out of him, uh, writes on his wall, wrecks his place. Um, and so that's like just her sort of way of finding what it means to for her to be a hero, I think. Yeah. What I also liked while we're following this particular thread of the episode is it ends up after they've gone through everything that she goes back to the group therapy session and the woman comes back in. They say, oh, we're very glad that you're back here. We didn't think we'd see you again. Uh, and the woman says, yeah, you know, actually, I didn't think I was going to come back. But, so, but then something happened. I went over to my ex-boyfriend's place check out, see how he's doing. And I got there and his whole place had been destroyed and he was cowering in the corner. At that point, Tandy is sitting on the edge of her seat. She's so excited. She's like, yes, I really did something. And the woman says, and he told me that a bunch of thugs came in and beat him up and wrecked his place. And I saw how much he needed me. And first of all, such a well-played moment, such a well-written moment. It infuriates Tandy But what I loved about that is it wasn't the road. Again, to your point, I think you're absolutely on point about this. 
Sort of like the ballet. La, uh, yeah, a point. I'm in uh, sort of first position. A point. <laughs> I mean, I'm a point about this. Yeah. Uh, just the idea that it's a more realistic way of dealing with superheroes because she can't just go in and scare a dude and everything turns out well. That's exactly what a dude like that would do. That's exactly what would happen with a woman like that. And it sucks and it hurts, but it's correct. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, It's cool. It was a very well. It was fun and surprising. They really caught me off guard. It was great. I was in fifth position. I should have been in first. Oh yeah, sorry about that. I was on bar. Okay, okay. For yeah. a, a ballet show fan, um, I feel like you should know a little <laughs> bit more about it. I haven't really been paying attention too <laughs> cool. much. Wow, but you, you know, you still have so much grace, style. Mm. Look Thank great you. in the Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, let's go over and talk about Ty and what's going on with him in this episode. Uh, because his he spends, as we mentioned, most of the episode like standing in trees where everybody can basically see him, but apparently yeah. cannot see him, yeah. uh, and staring at his parents and seeing them going on with their lives, even though clearly they're not going on with their lives. Why can't he just teleport into their house? Is there something I'm not remembering from last season? No, I mean, I think he, uh, I think he can't because they think he's a murderer. So he doesn't want to, I think he doesn't want to face them and he's watching no, they them. they told him to go, right? Like they knew he wasn't the murderer. They told him to run away and never come back. I think that's what happened. Maybe he's disobeying them. It would be disobeying them to return. Yeah, maybe that's it. I mean, or maybe he's just worried that the second he goes into the house, the police have it bugged and they're going to catch him and it's going to fall back on his parents or whatever else. But I feel like he's not going to stay away from his parents forever. They're going to figure out some way around this. Well, but also he says when he's in the church, like he wants no human contact uh, when Tandy visits him. And I think the first time she visits him, he says no human contact, which feels like a purposeful choice that he's making out of. Uh, I don't know, some sort of penance he's doing or uh, something, sort of a martyr thing that he's doing. Yeah, I mean, it probably, now that you bring it up, is Cloak is going further into the darkness. Dagger is trying to go further into the light, but neither is particularly comfortable in that place because really they always need to meet each other in the middle. Yeah. And later, the, he's, uh, he plays basketball. She's back to dancing. Um, she's making light daggers and dancing in the darkness, dance in the dark. Man, I love that. The visual of that, her spinning around and the daggers and the way, the way they did that effect was so cool because it wasn't a complete circle. It was like, it was wisps of light going around her. Yeah. The way she was spinning. It was very neat. It was cool. Uh, Yeah. I also really like the scene. There's a scene about halfway through where they're in the church and, uh, they're having a movie night complaining about VHS tapes, which I was like, yo, I feel super old right now. Yeah, exactly. That was a uh, burn. That was a sick burn on you. Was it? It was weird yeah. that they turned directly at the screen and they're like, you old, Alex. Yeah. Well, it had to be said, and it's good that uh, they really took a risk building that <laughs> whole scene toward you. But, yeah. Do you think it's like those license plates you get at a gift shop where it's personalized for every particular name? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, again, you just outed yourself as even older, I believe, by referencing uh, gas <laughs> oh station God. license plates um, <laughs> as a thing that you are really chasing after in life. Yeah, I got to collect them all. Got to get all the names. I mean, Alex is such a popular one. 
So you're you've always been lucky in that way. Uh, you know what? I I didn't find it very often. Really? Yeah, it's weird. Well, usually they wouldn't have Alexander. They'd have Alex, and I was always looking for an Alexander. Oh come on! See, that's just that's just cocky. Yeah, I you do remember, it. though, when I was looking for them, I would always see a JT Sizz, which was very specific. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was in every set. Uh, that's why Origin is I um, I stumbled upon that license plate and was like, someday I'll podcast by that name. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, but getting back to that movie scene, uh, I loved, again, the casual use of the powers there. Cloak just kind of teleports all over the church to hang out a big movie screen. Yeah. Super fun. Um, and then his big plot line is he was told about these drug dealers by Bridget O'Reilly, who is kind of spinning out of control on her own. She can't shoot straight at all. She yeah. can't concentrate on her job. Uh, she's lashing out at Ty pretty hardcore. Um, I mean, wh- what's your prediction at this point? What do you think? is going to be her arc. I know we talked about this a little bit on the previous episode. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think Ty, she's the only person besides Tandy that Ty is like reaching out to. So I feel like Ty will continue to, as she continues to go further and further, uh, rogue, Ty will sort of keep going with her and be her, uh, muscle, I guess. Um, while Tandy will be deviating and try to pull Ty back to the, to the good side. I feel like Ty's going to be in the middle a lot this season. With yeah. Last season, it was Tandy sort of choosing between good and evil uh, or crime and or no crime. And uh, now Ty is going to be in that spot. Yeah. One thing that really uh, jumped out to me actually on the previously on. So there's this energy that gets released by the rocks on an oil platform, not oil platform, energy platform. And it is. The energy gives Ty and Tandy their powers, but it also drives people insane. Yeah. And part of the thing, the apocalypse that they needed to stop last season was this calamity that would have not exactly a zombie virus, but essentially driven everybody crazy slowly as they touch each other, as it spreads out. Um, the way they edited that previously on, you saw Bridget O'Reilly dying right after that, or rather coming back to life. So I think we're going to see her as the avatar of that in a way. Like now that Cloak and Dagger have purged their energy, balanced themselves, mayhem is going to be the one that is the rogue part of that energy. And I almost think we're going to see some sort of balance there of Cloak and Dagger are going to be on the side of control and mayhem is on the side of lack of control. Right. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, does that, so they are then having to bring mayhem back into balance. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. Again, I thought it was really interesting that like, Last season, it was you didn't know where it was going to go, but it was pretty clear what the mission was and what the purpose was from the very first episode. It's not it, this was more of a check in episode, and it's still a very good episode that I liked a lot. Uh, but it's more delves into the characters, takes its time, sits there, and it's not immediately clear what the thrust of the season is going to be like after this first hour. I bet we'll know after the end of the second hour, since it is a two-part episode. Um, right. And we end the episode where, uh, so they go into this club to try to um, audio record, uh, because Ty's been podcasting, obviously. 
Um, sure. Try to audio record the gang leaders at a meeting so he can give that tape to O'Reilly and she can bust them the right, quote unquote, right way. And they get to hang out in the club, party a little bit, uh, especially Tandy. I love this whole thing. Like, I th- first they have a uh, getting dressed sequence in the church. She finds an old shirt, puts some belts around it, turns it into an outfit, which is a very Little Mermaid, and I really appreciated that. Very Little uh, Mermaid. Yeah, Little Mermaid. Okay. She does that. She finds the sail and takes the rope and puts it around it and makes the dress. Oh, wow. I, okay. I, that yeah. wasn't the first thing that jumped into my mind, but hey, if you're living that uh, Little Cinderella Mermaid life... Maybe? Uh, okay, yeah. uh, no, less, I guess, outside of the Disney uh, canon. Or you're in the Disney vault yeah. right now recording this, right? Yes, we're in the Disney vault. And, of course, Cloak & Dagger is a freeform show. Freeform is owned by Disney, so it's all it's all connected. Sounds like you're owned by Disney, too. I am. Uh, Disney just bought, Disney bought Fox and Alex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guess which was more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Alex ain't cheap. Don't sleep on Alex. Nope. Uh, so the, I got totally lost in talking about freeform. Uh, so they, they have this montage thing where they get dressed. Uh, she rips the sleeves off of Ty. What do you think? Are you getting romantic vibes from them as, at this yeah, point? Well, that's, I, I want to talk about this. What is their relationship? Cause this scene felt not romantic. It felt very, oh, really? yeah, I thought this felt very like uh sibling E and, which is interesting to me because this relationship toggles a lot out from like, is it romantic? Is it not? It felt like at different points, each of them is sort of like, oh, I'm going to, this might be a relationship. And uh, in this, at this point, I feel like Ty is sort of like, we could be dating. And Tandy's like, yo, no, you have emoji girl. Um, yeah, I don't think she sees it that way necessarily, but I, the way the scene was played where she says, take off your shirt, and he feels a little uncomfortable about it, to me, that that felt like it was planting the seeds of something. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it is just from Ty, which would be very true to the comics because Cloak always seems to be more into Dagger than Dagger is into Cloak even though they yeah. do have this very codependent relationship. Um, but I don't know. I think we might be heading down that path this season. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I hope – it seems like they're going to, like, play with this. But I think it plays into the whole theme of this show, of these kids who have these crazy powers, and they're dealing with it, and they're also, like, dealing with their own internal emotions and all this, and it's it's all up in the air all the time. Yeah. So they do go to the club, though. I love the exchange there where Ty uh, talks about, hey, how do we just walk in here? And Tandy's like, only losers stand outside. And he's like, I kind of stand outside. Uh, Great dynamic there. Really fun. Also fun to see Tandy again, just throwing her weight around in a club, which goes back to the very first episode of the show. Uh, And then nobody's there. They've got some time to kill. So they party in the club. And again, in the club. I don't know when we've seen just these two kids have fun on the show together. Yeah. I don't think that's ever happened. So that was really enjoyable. I, I like that. Yeah, I agree. That was that was really fun. And it just I, I feel so much for these characters every every episode of this show. And to feel them like relax and cut through cut it cut loose a little bit made me relax while I was watching it. Like it was mm-hmm. just like a nice little, it was like, I was right there with them. Uh, not dancing in the case of Ty. 
um, sort of lightly dancing. Uh, but, you know, Tandy, she dances uh, and dances at work, dances at play. Yep, there you go. Uh, but then they end up missing the meat because they're having such a good time. Uh, they get back there and find everybody is dead. Um, that's a real bummer. Do you think, was that mayhem? Was that uh, Richard O'Reilly coming in and killing everybody? Uh, could have been an accident. Could have been just a mishap. Um, uh, one of like, those things where somebody shot a gun and it went pew, 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 and bounced off of everything and shot everybody. Bounced off or a classic standoff where everyone's like, wait a second, what's going on? You know, a lot of gang leaders, in my experience, have uh, pretty itchy trigger fingers, hot-headed. In your experience? In my experience, in my time oh, okay. uh, leading. How the, many drug deals do you regularly pull off on a weekly basis? Uh, well, um, let's see. You know, the people, whatever People think drugs are different things. Like coffee's a drug, and I pull off a lot of coffee deals. <laughs> uh, when I get my card stamped nine times, boom, coffee deal. Oh, man, you're the original mobster. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty gangster down at my uh, local barista place. Yeah. So that's most of the episode. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else we missed in there? Uh, obviously, waffles versus pancakes. Yeah. Which side do you fall on? I'm a pancaker. You're a pancaker? I'm yeah. a waffle. Really? Yeah. I just lock it in your fingers like that. It's like, what if you need to separate them real fast? <laughs> like, so you get out of there? What if someone, like, throws a baseball to you and you need to catch it? Here's what I think. Here's what I think. I, I go between the two. I think pancake is a nice default mode. That's fine if you're walking Don't you place. dare. Don't you dare to call me default. I'm, I'm saying for myself. I'm yeah. saying for myself, but also by extension for everybody else. Uh, pancakes a nice default mode. If you want to make things a little more romantic, you go waffles. So you're telling me, like, the night starts out, you're pancaking pretty hard. Then things are getting a little hot and heavy. You waffle it up, and then yeah. I'll see where the night goes. Yeah, and while you're waffling it up, I don't know about you, but I find I get a little syrup on my hands. Okay, not what I wanted to hear, but uh, I'm going to keep my eye on your hands. <laughs> I mean, sweaty. Just, I, they get sweaty. They get sweaty. Yeah, because That's what you're I was so about. excited about the impending sexual intercourse you're about to have. <laughs> because you waffle. When you waffle, you do not stop. That's, a, that's how you indicate it to your girl, bro. You go from the yeah. waffles to the you go from the pancakes to the waffles, and she's like, "It's breakfast time." Yeah, <laughs> cool. Again, just what I think about when I'm wanting, when I'm thinking about sex is breakfast. Yeah, sausage by eggs. That's what I always say. Though seeing your like, if your roommate comes home and he's waffling with his uh, partner, it's like a sock on the doorknob situation, basically. Yeah, I always put a waffle on the doorknob. Yeah, that makes sense. You're a wa- you're waffle crazy. I love waffles. What can I say? What else do we need to talk about? Any other bits from the episode you want to call out? Well, I will say um, I do think Mayhem uh, killed the gang leaders at the end of the episode. And I think uh, they're going to unravel that mystery of what has happened in the second hour. Yeah. I wonder, given the way we see Bridget O'Reilly acting in this episode, if she knows that she's Mayhem, if she knows she's doing these things. You know, there might be getting back to that balance thing, a split personality type thing going on here, potentially Um, a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Yeah, I see that because she definitely, it seemed like when she was shooting, it seemed like she didn't know what was happening to to her or with her. Um, So maybe she's forgotten everything. Also, she didn't mention anything in her life (laughs) at all. (laughs) Uh, Like the, her boyfriend was killed and all of that. 
Um, so it doesn't seem like she knows exactly what's happening. Uh, definitely. All right. Before we wrap up for this episode, cloak or dagger, which one are you going to go with? Who won the episode? Cloak oh, or dagger? yes, that's right. I'm going to go with dagger. Uh, mm. I love that she's, uh, she's finding her own path in a way that seems, uh, sort of bright and hopeful and, uh, I just the the way the the actress that plays her is so good. It's just she's just great to watch. Uh, I'm gonna agree with you on Dagger. Same thing. I think she was great this episode. Um, I like seeing her trying to be good and then screwing up, uh, and just all the stuff at the club, like we talked about, was so much fun. It was just enjoyable. Yeah, you love hanging in the club. I love being up in the club. And if you guys like being up in the club, you can support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on down. I'll try not to cough on you or anything like that. What do you want to plug, Justin? Uh, follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Uh, and follow Alex's uh, sexual uh, exploits <laughs> in his waffle blog. Yeah, no address. You'll find it. Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to be so explicit. You have to look for that. You have to find it. Of course. Also, check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. And we'll see you at drive time. Oh, watch out for that coffee. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 